everyone. Welcome to our Future of Consumer Asia Pacific Prediction Series. Today, we'll be looking at the recent legal and regulatory developments in the consumer sector in China. We will cover a broad range of topics, including foreign investment and M&A trends, computational issues, data protection, and regulatory compliance. My name is Landa Lau. I'm a corporate M&A partner at HSF Shanghai. And I'm today with um, Gavin, Gavin Guo, a corporate M&A partner in our HSF Coway joint operation platform based in Shanghai. Uh, thank you, Nanda. I'm indeed very much look forward to sharing with you um, some interesting regulatory trends in China. Thanks so much, Gavin. I think it would be good to start with the latest developments on the investment and M&A front. Gavin, can you believe it? Uh, we are now into the third year of the pandemic and we continue to experience changes uh, redefining every aspect of our lives. The Russian-Ukraine conflict and the China latest COVID breakout, which um, have a, like a widespread lockdown in fact in the country, don't make things any easier for us in, in China. Um, there are definitely still a lot of uncertainties and challenges ahead of us. Y yes, Nanda. Um... You know, I think, you know, geopolitical tensions, supply chain disruption, um, business transformation, digitalization, ESG issues, these um, continue to be the buzzwords in China for the last two years and drove many of China's recent regulatory and legal changes. As you correctly um, pointed out, um, newly added to the metrics are the Ukraine crisis, the latest, the COVID lockdown in China and global inflation, um, which are further complicating things. Yeah, definitely, Gavin. Uh, and despite these headwinds, uh, foreign um, direct investment into China remained very robust in the first quarter this year. Uh, the, the statistics show that uh, FDI value reached a 10-year record high at uh, 59 billion USD in the first quarter this year, and investment in the high-tech sector grew the fastest. So China seems to remain one of the uh, top foreign investment destinations in the world. Um, but uh, the figure uh, in this quarter would probably be less promising uh, because of China's slowing economy and the negative sentiment and uncertainties brought by the latest wave of COVID in China. And I think in terms of M&A, um, deal-making activities were high last year. Deal volume was up to a record high, increasing 17.1% year on year. Uh, foreign investors remained very active last year with a 23.8% increase from 2020 in terms of value. Um, however, uh, Q1 this year, uh, China saw, saw like a 12% drop in deal value and 35% dropped uh, in terms of deal volume from uh, Q4 last year. So it will be quite interesting to see how these trend develops uh, in this quarter uh, and the rest of the year. Yeah, that, that's true, Nanda. Um, given the COVID situation in China and the disruption caused by the widespread lockdown measures, um, corporates are now more cautious around making deals in China. And as a result, we are seeing more certain deals delayed or put on hold. But I think the recent um, events will only have a short-term impact on investment and uh, merger acquisitions in China. In the longer run, we still believe a lot of foreign investors um, will 
um, you know, still hold confidence in China's economic fundamentals and its market potentials. And they continue to show commitment to the China market with many adopting sort of, you know, in China for China strategy. Um, this was evidenced by some recent business confidence survey where um, I think over 83% of the US companies and over 82% of the European companies surveyed said that they don't have plans to downsize their China operations or make any changes. Gavin, it's good to know. So maybe now we can turn to the uh, turn to the investment activities in the consumer sector more specifically. Um, in 2021, M&A in China are uh, in the consumer sector and retail market are uh, exceed both 2019 and 2020 on the back of heavy PE activities, particularly in the food and beverages sector, as well as in the um, consumer products and services. Um, consumer sector has also reported a quarter-on-quarter -quarter increase in deal value in China in the first quarter this year. Uh, but as you said, uh, due to the COVID-related restrictions, uh, retail sales uh, tumbled uh, in March, and the year-on-year -year growth slid to negative value um, uh, from a really positive picture in the first two months of 2022. And we are seeing discretionary categories were particularly affected, for example, like auto, apparel, cosmetics, uh, while essentials like food and beverages kept quite resilient growth of over 10% in March. And currently, supply chain disruption, uh, factory closure, uh, travel restrictions, weak consumer demand on non-essential goods, etc. The slowing economy are all contributing to the difficulties faced by consumer sector companies right now, which make market participants uh, more careful in, in doing deals. Uh, despite all these uh, short-term challenges, uh, we are still seeing some positive factors that will help drive deals in the sector, I think, over the rest of the year. Uh, for example, valuation is now at a more reasonable level. Uh, and companies uh, struggling during the last few months of COVID uh, could be actually quite attractive targets uh, if they have a good brand and good economic funda uh, fundamentals. Uh, I think we were also seeing more consolidation in the market as a result of the recent disruption. And uh, another point I think worth mentioning is it's very likely that the PRC government will roll out significant uh, relief measures and stimulus plan to revive the economy and boost consumption in the next few quarters. So uh, we do think that Chinese uh, consumer m and deal activities uh, in 2022 would remain resilient. Yeah, yes, Nanda. Actually, you know, when we speak to um, those multinational companies um, in the um, consumer sector, we know that they constantly review their China investment strategy in response to the existing and the new opportunities and also challenges in the market. Um, as is you know, pretty evident, in order to attract and retain foreign investment, China has continued to open up its uh, market. For example, China's year-by-year year shortening the foreign investment negative list, meaning an increasing number of foreign investment restrictions are being lifted, um, with the most latest negative list being effective from um, January 1st of this year. And so um, China is opening wider to foreign investment. Um, also, the new foreign investment law took effect on January the 1st, um, 2020, 
which um, overhauled the entire foreign investment legal region that has been in existence in China for several decades to govern foreign investment projects. Um, in essence, this high-ranking legislature for the first time lays out principles for a level playing field for foreign investment. Um, there has since been many accompanying rules and policies to implement the foreign investment law with specific rules on, for example, enhancing protection of foreign investors' intellectual property rights, um, relaxation of foreign exchange investment in China, further opening up of China's capital market to foreign investors through liberalization of QFI, our QFI region, and also the approval and registration requirements for foreign investment in China are further streamlined. So as a general rule, um, with these new rules and policies in place for foreign investment in China, foreign investors will have more flexibility in designing their investment strategies and structures, more alternative funding options, and a more efficient investment timeline. Mm -hmm. so, so any views uh, from you, Nanda, on the outlook for the rest of 2022? Uh, thanks, Gavin. Um, yeah, just wanted to share a few trends that we are seeing. I think that will continue for the rest of the year. Uh, I think first of all, accelerated direct to consumer strategies uh, is definitely uh, a key trend. Uh, even before COVID-19, companies have already started uh, beefing up their digital and omnichannel capabilities in China. We expect this trend will continue at an accelerated pace breaking down the silos between online and the traditional bricks and motor retail business. Uh, and China, I think, will continue to encourage consumption growth as a key contributor to China's economy going forward. So China will definitely be very keen on promoting the integration of online and offline um, consumption to ensure growth. Um, another trend we're seeing on the ground is uh, more investment in and use of emerging digital technologies. Um, companies are investing in and using digital technologies such as AI, uh, augmented reality, uh, virtual reality, and digital marketing technologies to find um, target consumers and enhance their shopping experience. So, for example, locational things, applications which can identify and track individuals as they move um, around the environment are being adopted uh, for sophisticated exploitation of contextual commerce opportunities. Um, another thing that definitely need to mention is Metaverse and NFT, uh, non-fungible tokens business. Um, uh, obviously, digital economy and digital products have been very hot topics in China in recent years, and NFT and Metaverse is obviously one of the hottest topics now. Um, there's no statutory definition or specific laws on NFTs in China. NFT actually share uh, some similarities uh, with cryptocurrencies like Bitcoins. So the key legal risk in China is whether NFT would be regulated as cryptocurrencies. Um, as you may already been aware, use and trading of cryptocurrency are banned in China. So in light of all these sort of regulatory restrictions and issues, NFT in China is operated in ways quite different from those in other um, international markets. So companies that are interested in launching NFT products in China should be aware of China's specific risks and restrictions. 
Um, the other thing that uh, definitely would like to share with uh, everyone is the boost use of social commerce. Um, impacted by the latest COVID uh, breakout, uh, we have seen more food and beverages brands, for example, create good buying deals, um, utilize private traffic to organize sales and other ways, um, new ways um, to engage with the consumers in the lockdown cities like Shanghai. Uh, it will be very interesting to see how these new channels uh, will develop or whether they will sustain and continue to thrive after the lockdown. Uh, we're also seeing a lot of innovative digital engagement models over the years, for example, like live streaming uh, through online platforms and ecosystems like uh, TikTok, Tmall, Little Red Book. They're all widely used to promote products and services uh, since COVID. And through these platforms, consumers can make a variety of social media driven purchases and brand reputation is established more through word of mouth from the uh, key opinion leaders or between uh, consumers. And from an M&A perspective um, and getting into the position uh, to be part of the larger ecosystem or platform can open a wide range of border relationships and opportunities uh, around businesses. The last thing that I, I think definitely would like to mention uh, is in the deal structuring space. Uh, we are seeing um, consumer companies using more innovative deal structures to achieve its business goals. Uh, and rather than the traditional uh, equity deals, we are seeing opportunities in the form of collaboration, uh, corporate venturing, um, data sharing, and some are building alliances, entering into joint ventures, uh, creating a partnership or buying out complementary assets with a goal of creating more um, customer loyalty and of course a greater share of um, uh, the customer's wallets as well as to uh, scale um, their businesses. Devin, anything, any trend that you would like to add? Yes, sure, sure. And then the, um, a, a, a few things, I think. Um, number one, in terms of deal making, I think you know due diligence becomes increasingly more important than ever, particularly because of the tightening compliance region, um, where where MA is being driven by expanding capabilities and acquiring adjacent businesses because buyers may have less knowledge about new models of businesses and their risks and pain points. More careful due diligence will be needed. Um, the due diligence focus would be on better understanding of the regulatory frameworks and compliance requirements and also how the target is dealing with the issues and the risk mitigation they have put in place. For example, issues like um, big data, ESG, and how the businesses cope with and adapt to you know, these changes. Um, number two, geopolitical headwinds are likely to continue. And so these factors also need to be considered in deal making. But presumably, um, this would be accepted as the new normal by deal participants. For example, the Ukraine crisis could bring both short-term and long-term impacts, such as um, disruption to the trade of goods and international supply chains. Um, there is also a constant state of flux with regards to data regulations and technology. And this will continue to be the case into the future. While it is important to consider the current regulatory settings and levels of compliance when looking at acquiring um, targets, 
it is equally important to consider their approach to manage change in the short, medium and long terms. Thanks, Gavin. And, and talking about um, tightening compliance, shall we take a look at the key areas where China has tightened regulatory compliance on, for example, in the competition law, uh, data protection, cybersecurity space and IP protections and how they may impact on consumer product companies in China. So, Gavin, maybe we can start with the key developments in the competitional space in China. Sure, sure. Um, I'd say um, it has been a new era of Chinese competition law since 2021. Um, the proposed amendment to the China anti-monopoly law has become a pri priority on China's legislative agenda. Um, this is likely to be passed um, this year. The main breakthrough is likely to enhance legal liabilities for violations such as adding personal liabilities, multiplying fines, enhancing fines for gun jumping, and also to add a safe harbor rule to exempt anti-competitive agreements conducted by companies with low market share. Um, the Chinese Competition Authority has also been reshuffled with three times of stuffing and capacity. Separately, um, the move also gives the new anti-monopoly bureau a much more prominent position within the Chinese government system. So we expect China's anti-trust um, enforcement to become more active in the future. Mm. Um, on the enforcement front, you may have also seen from you know news that the Chinese Competition Authority has slapped billions of fines on the internet giants. Um, the consumer sector is still one of the top ranked sectors targeted by the antitrust agencies. Thanks, Gavin. Um, another uh, really hot topic is data protection in cybersecurity. Um, and actually two milestone pieces of legislation, the um, personal information protection law and the data security law took effect last year, uh, along with the um, cybersecurity law, which took effect in 2017 a comprehensive legal framework in China for cybersecurity and data protection has been formed. Um, so in addition, uh, numerous accompanying new regulations and standards uh, in relation to data protection and cybersecurity took effect uh, last year and early this year, which will present additional compliance challenges for many companies in China. Um, the Cyberspace Administration of China is still working on various supporting regulations and rules, including those relating to cross-border data transfer and the standard contract for um, export of our uh, personal information. So this new data protection regime in China would likely trigger a large number of civil cases concerning the protection of personal information. And in fact, uh, last year, many local courts have already accepted a number of such cases. In addition, um, the, the, the consumer protection organizations or similar organizations are entitled to bring public interest litigations against data controllers under the new law. Public interest litigation has profound impact on the reputation of a company, so it is really worthwhile for companies to pay close attention to such a trend. Um, the supervision of cross-border um, transfer of personal information is expected to become a regulatory focus by authorities here. This will have a substantial impact on multinational companies' uh, cross-border data transfer practices between, on the one hand, China 
and on the other hand, um, the headquarters or other overseas group companies. Um, you know, consumer and retail sector companies usually process a large volume of personal information of their um, customers and consumers and really shall prepare themselves uh, for the new laws and the related compliance challenges. Yeah, that's right. Um, and also, I think you know, on the intellectual property rights protection aspect, um, China has been devoting major efforts to high quality economic development by improving the IPR protection system um, so as to encourage innovation and famous brands establishment. Um, both the patent law and the copyright law, which were amended um, last year, have enhanced remedies to right holders, um, including, for example, increasing the statutory maximum amount of damages, establish a punitive damages system, and uh, clarifying the mechanism for transfer of burden proof. Um, in order to support the amendments to the laws, um, also last year, the Supreme People's Court issued and implemented judicial interpretations on application of um, punitive damages to IPR infringement civil cases. In the consumer um, space, the 2021 Work Plan for National Administrative Protection of IPRs emphasized the intellectual property protection of commodities such as anti-epidemic protective equipment, uh, livelihood materials, and and agricultural um, products. Meanwhile, China will strengthen the quality supervision of intellectual property applications and registrations, and the combat you know, malicious trademark registration that are not for the purpose of use, and um, also to combat abnormal patent applications that are not for the purpose of protecting uh, innovation. So Nanda, to, to wrap things up, can you also share with us the trends on consumer litigation and regulations on the e-commerce sector, which I'm sure would be of interest for many of the consumer product companies. Sure, Gavin. Um, in the consumer sector, um, there are a great deal of dispute cases brought by individual consumers with low um, dispute amount against consumer product companies in China. And we have a new amendment to the PRC civil procedure law which aims to uh, simplify and streamline the civil procedures for handling small claims at court, and that will largely shorten the trial period. Um, while we expect um, that the PRC court proceedings will be more effective and efficient by applying uh, these new measures introduced by the new amendment to the PRC civil procedure law, it could potentially also encourage more small claims or uh, cases against consumer product companies and brand owners which I think um, they should be really mindful of. Uh, and in terms of new regulatory trends in the e-commerce sector, uh, new regulations were released uh, last year with a focus on China's uh, booming live streaming industry. Um, the regulations aim to create a really strict uh, regulatory environment for brands, platforms, retailers and live streamers. Um, the regulations not only re-emphasize honest presentation during product and service promotion, but also prohibit uh, the operators and live streamers from misleading consumers uh, with a much heavier penalty in case of violations. Operators and live streamers, for example, are not allowed to delete 
or shield negative comments uh, from the consumer or the public, nor should they engage in any activities that may be harmful to state or public security and interest. So companies using live streaming as a marketing and promotion tool should be mindful of the tightening regulatory environment in this space. Yeah, thank you, Nanda. Um, with that, we are now um, coming to the end of our discussions today. Um, we do hope that you know the discussion that our sharing have been informative. Please do not hesitate to contact if you have any questions or would like to discuss any particular topic with us further. Thank you. Thanks again for listening. Uh, we hope to see you again soon. Bye. Bye. You have been listening to a podcast brought to you by Herbert Smith Freehills. For more episodes, please go to our channel on iTunes or SoundCloud and visit our website herbertsmithfreehills.com for more insights relevant to your business.